Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Seno, joined, as always, by the Evan to my set. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, feeling good. And our very own McLovin. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing, buddy? How many people do you know named Muhammad? <laughs> he says it so funny. So, he, says, so, he says like Muhammad. He said, "What pick common name? <laughs> Muhammad's the most commonly used name in the world." Too <laughs> <laughs> smart for his own good. <laughs> oh man, just uh, yeah. It's like when people say like Mandarin's the most spoken language on earth. Yep, it's all in one country. So yeah. <laughs> you're correct, but like, how correct are you? <laughs> so, all right, let's get into it. Seahawks news this week: the biggest news of the week. Tyler Lockett finally tying the knot. Uh, my big question for you guys is, will he still be good at football now that he is not waiting any longer? Uh, no. It will either be his I'm, best or worst season. I'm it's saying right now. Or downhill from here. He's just going to he's gonna start, uh, you know, kind of fading into routes and out of routes. He's going to give up. He's, he's going to drop balls. If he thinks he's going to get hit, he's going to stop. So this um, is his version of getting the big contract? Now. Correct. This is it. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, boxing. Boxing, it's like a big thing in, in boxing, you know, like you're not supposed to jerk off or have sex for like several days before you have a fight. Um, Jake Paul in his last fight famously had like a weird, weird uh, special dream right before his his fight. And he says that's the reason his legs were weak. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is like it's like a real thing that people think. I don't understand it at all. Uh, wow. It's but people really do believe in it. Like you, you, you in combat sports, especially. And um, I think football is probably the closest in mainstream sports we have to a combat sport that like abstinence will make you uh, perform better. And uh, wait, wait, is that why the creamsicle jerseys didn't do very well for Tampa Bay? <laughs> you want to hear an actual quote from a, from a, from a coach? This is the coach of, uh, so Austin Vanderford is an MMA fighter for Bellator. His coach at Southern Oregon University told him, let it build up and be ready to compete on the weekend. <laughs> you gotta let it, you gotta let it build up, dude. <laughs> coaching hashtag so, coaching. So Tyler Lock has been letting it build up for what? 33 years or something. So, I mean, I don't know. Anything can happen, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, it's weird. I yeah. That's a, uh, anyway, his yeah, career is over. A weird subculture about that. By the way, I would like to point out, do not add three years to Tyler Lockett's age. We don't want to kick him out of the league that fast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> We're in September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two. Thirty year old Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett isn't he entering his age 31, 32 He'll season be, this yeah, year? Uh, he turns thirty one in uh, late September. Okay, okay, so okay, I'm a, I'm one year ahead because I was thinking he turned thirty two this year, so he turned thirty one. Okay, uh, all right. Either way, um, let's go. Uh, congrats, Mina Kimes. Welcome. Uh, Welcome in, new baby. Uh, there's really no other sex news. Marshawn Lynch. Okay, what did you guys think about the Marshawn Lynch at the home run derby with the like uh, Mariners did, Shane? Okay, so my question: <laughs> Did they? Did he work with someone to make that for the players, or because we all think Marshawn's such a great guy, he had that made and was just re- hoping to give it to Julio Cruz? Yeah, I really felt like he thought he thought he was going to be giving it to Julio. And Julio, I mean, the first round he had like what forty two home runs. Yeah, forty. It looked like you guys. It looked I like just, he was. Sorry. It looked like he was Julio was going to uh to win the home run derby. Right. I went to the grocery store the other day and they had Julios on the on the shelves. They were like a who. They were like Julio. Wait, were they like Bootios, the baked cereal for 
This is actually the only for, thing about the Mariners that I will consume. So that works. They're they were like they looked like the box made it look like they were like Fruit Loops that were rebranded. Okay. So, um, all right. Last one. Quandre is Quandre ti- is tired of the disrespect. Where um um I, you know you see people ranking him. We I posted one in the Discord where someone was ranking him in the fifties. Uh, other people will just are just leaving him out of their top tens. Question for you guys: Where does Quandre? fit in among the all-time uh, or among the elite safeties currently playing in the NFL, I will say this. Um, I'm going to let him talk for himself. He says, consistency, did that. Top five interceptions since 2017, did that. Pro Bowl, did that three times straight. Six years of three-plus picks, did that. First safety since Ed Reed. Captain, did that. Big contract, did that. Got back to a high level after a severe injury, did that. Um, so, Okay. So where where do you think he fits in? Is he is he a top ten guy? Like should should Condre feel like we we love that he's going to play the chip on his shoulder either way? Like that's how you want yeah, to be. Yeah. Uh, um. So what do you what do you think? Uh, is where does Condre fit into the top ten, Kevin? I think there's only between three and five safeties that you can pretty solidly, uh, pretty comfortably say uh, are ahead of him. Um. I think I think Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, and the way that he can make a difference in a lot of different ways kind of puts him in uh, that next tier up. Uh, for consistency over a career, Honey Badger, um, if we're talking career, which is what he's talking about right now, I think he gets over that. I am Kevin Byard for Tennessee without a lot of support. But then like when we get into Antoine Winfield Jr., um, Jesse Bates is a little bit up and down. Eddie Jackson missing games and up and down. Um, Buddha Baker, I think that that's the tier Quandre belongs in, which is a solidly top ten fringe top five safety in the NFL. Is that should should Quandre feel slighted, Eric? Do you, do you or is he a is is around top ten where you have him as well? I'm I'm really just happy that he's playing with the chip because I think most of the media, especially the people who make lists, um, the list makers on the NFL website NFL.com, they don't really know how to rate many positions they're still going off like who's popular they'll put Aaron Rodgers as like you know top three quarterback in the league I don't think that's what he is so I don't know I don't think they have any idea how to rate a safety safety is such a nuanced position that you know how good is Cam Chancellor as a safety if he wasn't on the Seahawks uh, if you put Earl Thomas in a different system I think he would have excelled but I don't think he would have had the the playmaking that he had here because our system uh, was kind of, you know, it it was all about him and what he could do, but it also allowed for these amazing plays that got him a lot of highlights. So, yeah, I'd put Quandre in the top 10 easily. Um, I love that he plays with a chip. Beyond that, too nuanced to, to put rankings. Why do we have to keep ranking things? I, I made a list of the top my top 20 safeties i went 20 deep and i put ended up putting quandre 10th so i think like if you left him off your top 10 list i probably would be like okay as long as you mentioned him in like an honorable mention section i would be completely fine with it a lot of it um but but yeah he's he's really good at football i don't know like, it's 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 uh nothing and the thing that i think maybe hurts him when people are making these lists is he started last season pretty slow coming back from the injury and then by about week 10 or 11, he really turned it on. Like he became what we remembered, you know, the Quandre, mm-hmm. the Quandre that we knew uh, he was the, you know, one of the best safeties in the league. I think this year he will solidify his top 10 spot. 
he will be back where if he plays 16 or 17 games, sorry, like he played the last, I don't know whatever it was six or seven of last year. If he plays the, the full season like that, um, he might be, he could be knocking on the door of all pro. Like he yeah. was playing, he was playing that good. So yeah, I'm excited to see what, what he can get up to and uh, see if he can solidify that top 10 spot. And I hope he feels slighted because that'll, you know, keep you, that keeps you working hard. Spite is a, is a strong motivator, right, Kevin? That's a fact. <laughs> Uh, that's the strongest motivator, some might say. Um, here I've made a, I made three entire decades on it. Uh, so there's one other story that's more of an NFL story, and it's semi-Seahawks related because okay. it has to do with an off-season discussion point, and that's yep. Quinn and Williams' contract. So a lot of people are saying that, uh, oh, should the Seahawks trade their first round pick or trade whatever they need to trade to bring in Quinn and Williams to uh, sure up that defensive line? Now that the contract is out, four years, 96, 66 guaranteed, how many people do you think are on board with that contract? Um, not as many as should be. People are talking about that contract like it's like, oh, he's 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 uh, he only had one good season. Oh, he only this like, I don't know. Quinton Williams is 25 years old, coming off one of the probably one of the most disruptive DTC. So he's Hendon Hooker's draft age. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's old. I think I would have been fine with it. If if instead of Draymond Jones, we traded, I mean, we traded one of our firsts for Quinn and Williams and signed him to that contract. I would be completely okay with it. I like the way we allocated our resources a little better than that. Like, I think the way we ended up doing it is the better way to do it because you don't want to give up a big draft capital and a big contract. Instead, we just gave up a big contract and we still got the drafted guy, which I think is a little bit of a more sustainable thing to do. But Quentin Williams rules. <laughs> He's the second best DT in the league. I could, I think the only guy you take over him is, is Aaron Donald. Like it, it is a clear, like, Oh, this guy's better than, than Quentin Williams. Yeah. So. Well, and also, so <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Donald is flirting with retirement. Uh, I think the problem with Quinn Williams is the amount of guaranteed money people are starting to balk at that because contracts were not guaranteed in any way for so long. But finding a D tackle that is like plus plus, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's not it's not a high stock item in the NFL right now. And yeah, I I think it's good for the Jets. I he's making Javon Hargraves money and he's a Javon Hargraves tier player, but younger. So I mean, I, I think gonna, that's very reasonable. If you're I gonna, just also agree with Nathan's take about uh, I prefer to splash those resources across yeah. multiple players as opposed to with as as many not glaring holes, but definitely spots where we needed some improvement on the roster. I think we needed multiple stabs at improvement instead of one big player. That's that's more the thing that takes you over the top. There's just not that many guys in the league who can create 52 pressures from an interior rush position and still be really good at the run game 32 run stops like he just he i don't know in last year you sure you could say like last year was his best season but he was really good in 2022 people are acting like that season doesn't exist or something he had 39 pressures in that season and was 38 run stops like he he had a great season in 2022. and he was 23 the age most interior defensive linemen are getting drafted at is 22 yeah. or 23 it's just yeah, I, yeah, he's kind of a late bloomer, but he's never had a truly bad season either. 
You know, he's had one one really good season, one absolutely fantastic season, all pro season, and two just decent ones. Like that's a good that's a good first four years of your career if you're a 25 year old player. I cannot stress this enough. This guy's not even old. He's so young still. Uh, yeah, Quentin Williams contract rules. I I'm uh, it's the kind of con- if if he was a free agent, and we signed him to that contract. I would be like over the moon. So I think that should tell you all we need all you need to know about it. The Jets did what they had to do to compete in the as Eric said short Aaron Rodgers window. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not like it was an either or choice. Like I'm glad we nine went the games, we went. nine Draymond, games, that's Draymond, window, jo- by the way, Draymond Jones <laughs> until he's just mad on the <laughs> sidelines, just, just, just biting people's head off. All right, let's get into the big topic. The NFC East, the NFC East this, this, uh, year, last year put three teams in the playoffs and the last team was 500. This is pretty, I, I was like stunned when I looked at that, I was like looking at the teams and I was like, the football team went eight, eight and one last year, right? The fight was Tutties, I was like, I don't remember that at all. They were, they were like, I don't even know, but, but yeah, they did. They did. They went eight, eight and one. They lived uh, up to their name of football team by playing yeah. football like a team. Yeah. Finally, all it took was Dan Snyder about to leave. So, all right, let's start with the Cowboys though. The Cowboys went 12 and five last year. Uh, they added, or their over under is set at nine and a half, but it is getting hammered on the over minus 155 some books have it at minus 170 which makes me think it's going to move to 10 and a half uh and i'll state why i agree in a second <laughs> they added ronald jones brandon cooks dante fowler stefan gilmore they lost dalton schultz and connor mcgovern in the draft with mozzie smith luke schoonmaker demarion over demarvion sorry demarvion overshone seahawks connection michael jackson got his start as a dallas cowboy kevin start us off how about them cowboys um, as somebody who always wants to downplay Jerry Jones, I'm upset that this is a good roster and a pretty darn good football team. Uh, it's I find that moderately offensive to me. Uh, I don't really understand why people are so ready to bury this team. Uh, and I think the betting market is kind of doing a proper correction. I don't think that they're going to get to the 12 wins they got to last season. But I look at what they gained and what they lost. Like, there's there's a problem where their offensive line is turning over incredibly slowly because they're not playing poorly enough in order to be able to get some of those higher draft picks they need to replace, like, their tackles, for instance. But they're getting just good enough play out of the games that those players are there. Like, they got Tyler Smith uh, picked in the 20s last season, and he's a guy who can come in. They need uh, Tyler Biotish to kind of put it together. Um, they need one of uh, Austin Richards or Matt Willetsko to be at least a swing tackle. Um, what if I think what Tyler if Tyron Smith can going? What if what if Tyron Smith can just stay healthy? Uh, I was only listing things that could happen. <laughs> if he stays healthy, though, this offensive line is good. Yeah, but like again, I'm. You know, you know how we always say we don't want to build in like what happens if the quarterback gets injured. I feel the opposite where it's like, should we really build in a contingency for Tyron Smith not missing like five games? Because I don't know if that exists. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, top three receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup. That's gross. Uh, mm. They've got a couple of kind of younger guys coming along that if any of them can step up and be a reasonable number four receiver. Uh, like I like Jalen Moreno Cropper, even though he ended up being a UDFA. I think he's a really solid receiver. Uh, Jalen Tolbert and Simi Fajoko have really high ceilings, but really yeah, low floors. Say, 
those guys those guys can run really fast in a straight line. One of them, if one of them can figure Which, out how to be an NFL receiver. receiver, if one of those can figure out how to be an NFL receiver, like that's a great fourth receiver. the The roster here is just the okay. One thing that impressed me when I really looked into this roster is the defense, how it is built on the back of a bunch of really good draft picks by them. Yep, like they just. They They're drafted, always good at drafting. It's stupid. They drafted this defense, and it is a great defense. And it is all just homegrown talent and Stephon Gilmore and Malik Hooker. But, but like they just really homegrew like most of this defense, and the players they've picked are very, very good. And so it's it's impressive to see like the the Dallas does it. This is a team built to win in the regular season. <laughs> It's just the problem. This is a this is a regular season's champs. You bring in Brian Schottenheimer, Dan Quinn, and John Fassel to be your coordinators. Like that's a great old old head coordinating team to win in the regular season. But when you need to get down to brass tacks and do something creative in a playoff game, you are going to this team is going to lose. Like that's what's going. This is the fate of the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to run right up to the McCarthy line. Is that they are just going to. They are going to lose in the playoffs, and it's it's too bad. Like they are gonna, they can compete with the Eagles for this division. They are that talented, top to bottom, this roster. But in the playoffs, they're not going to have it because this coaching staff. Just I don't think it's I don't think it's they you know there's no one creative. There's no great mind on this. Kellen Moore was it, but they they blamed Kellen Moore. They ran him out of town because Mike McCarthy said he wasn't giving the defense enough time to rest. Like just a ridiculous statement. I I don't know. I I think that. I think that they're good, but I don't. I don't think that they're going to be going far in the playoffs. Yeah, they uh, did bring Shadi in though, and I hear that ups their uh, Bible study uh, uh, friendliness. Uh, I think he might bring cookies or something. Hey, did you know that they have like two guys on their team named Fahoko, and they're not related? Yes. I I really I really awesome. researched I really researched this. I was like, these guys got to be like cousins or brothers. Or no, no. Uh, they know. only got one of the Odigazuas though. They need to get the other Odigazua. I don't I don't think I don't think these guys are related in in any way because but because in every every uh Villami Fahoko uh like draft profile it's like he's the second cousin of Vita Veda Vita Vea and I was like you'd think they'd mention if his brother was on an NFL roster then <laughs> so 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 yeah uh that's that's weird to me but cool maybe they'll find out they're like third cousins during training camp well, uh, anyway are Eric, they PI what they're uh, uh are they Samoan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so, I know I think they're no, I think they're Tongan. Oh Tongan? No. Okay. Yeah. Any anyway, uh ke- uh, uh Eric uh, Eric Cowboys. I almost said Kevin Kevin again. Kevin again. Kevin, go ahead. Back to Kevin for another 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 Cowboys thing. No, Eric. You know, you as much Kevin? as I hate the Cowboys, I don't really care. Go for it. Um everything you guys <laughs> you guys have said, everything needs to be said. The funny thing is this team is being uh it just if you search Cowboys like I did earlier this week, it's just all these articles about the Super Bowl and is this the year? And hey, you know this is the year to turn the corner. I don't. I it, it's got to be like the Cowboys national treasure idea that people have because McCarthy's still their coach. They Wait, uh, are you implying that the Cowboys are going to steal the Declaration of Independence? I exactly what I'm saying. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna make it look pretty. They're gonna easy, wear Kevin. they're gonna wear three D glasses so they can read Ben Franklin's secret message. <laughs> and then back. and then McCarthy's gonna leave it on a table because he's Mike McCarthy. He's gonna totally That's their play call sheet. <laughs> their play call yeah. sheet's the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and the and you need three D glasses to read it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, but no, but Tony Pollard is not gonna start the season uh, with them. He's probably gonna be out. 
I think that you think he'll he'll be, hold out. No, I mean he's injured right now. He's probably not going to start the season healthy. That's the that's from everything I read. I don't see it happening. Um, uh, this team is eleven. I thought I thought he just I thought eleven he just, and six. I thought he just fractured his ribs. Like, isn't that like a injury you can come back from? Uh, he's got an ankle injury, but uh, yes. he's rehabbing it. He says he'll be ready for the start of camp. Um, but whatever they got, they got Deuce Vaughn. He can just hide behind guys. Like he's like you can't even find him. He's so small. There was a pl- there was a place someone was talking about. I was listening to uh, a like an NFL Dynasty Draft podcast or whatever, and they were talking about how Deuce Vaughn like went under. There was a guy engaged in a block, and he went between the two guys that were engaged in the block, like because he was so small. I was like, that can't be, that can't possibly be true. But he is no, really small. You can see the film of it. Uh, I didn't look. I didn't. I didn't research it though. So let me know if that's true or not. Uh, yes. I watched yeah. the film of it. Oh, it is? Great. That's yeah. that's absolutely he, absurd. Basically, like, you know that thing where, like, two people put their arms up and someone passes through? It was yeah. kind of like that. Like, yeah, right. He, was, he just entered he, the quantum realm. He was ant He, he just through an engaged block. It was really, sh- it was, it was absurd. He shrunk down like Ant-Man and, and got that right work done going. So, yeah, I, I have the Cowboys uh, at 11 and 6 to, to get this and not going ten. to Super Bowl. 10, ten to ten and seven for me. I'm right there uh, with you. Also think, ten and seven, but I think that's kind of the floor on wins. Good, oh, I good hate Cowboys. How am I the number one guy? Ugh. Good football team, and I like I said, over nine and a half. That's that's free money. I, Cowboys I think Kevin, Eric Ronovic. Like Kevin said, ten, unless Dak gets hurt, ten is ten is absolutely the the floor here. Uh, and they weren't even that bad when Dak gets hurt either. That's the crazy part. Like Dak's been yeah, they hurt. Kept, didn't they keep they, uh, Cooper Rush? They just keep yeah, they kept Cooper Rush. They just keep treading water when he's out. So I don't even think it's that big of a deal for them. Okay, the New York Football Giants went nine seven and one last year. They're over under this year set at seven and a half even money, adding Paris Campbell, Ashawn Robinson, Bobby Okereke, losing Julian Love to our beloved Seahawks, Nick Gates. They drafted Deontay Banks, John Michael Schmitz, and Jalen Hyatt. Seahawks connection, in addition to Julian Love coming our way, Mark Glowinski's heading to New York this year to play for the Giants. Eric, New York football Giants, what do you think? Daniel Jones, quarterback, yes or no? Mr. Dimes, what do you think about De Niro? He does, in Dan- fact, play quarterback. He does, Daniel- in fact, play quarterback. Does he, though? Uh, it's so, I that's... I, or is it more my, like a hybrid, like uh, H-back kind of uh, that throws the ball sometimes? I would I say he throws your, it more than sometimes, Nathan. Do you mind if I interrupt part of your preview? Well, uh, by all means. Just very quickly for the quarterback depth chart, they have Danny Dimes, Tyrod Taylor, who lost his starting job to his medical team. I believe it's Tyrod. <laughs> it depends on the minute. <laughs> you know, when he's and broken, he's Tyrod. Cause their final quarterback is Tommy DeVito, who bounced around college and at one point had the nickname Tommy DeVito for being very, very bad. Do you think Tommy DeVito says forget about it a lot? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I think he definitely does. I think he says forget right. about it all Sorry, Eric, time. back to you. I just wanted to quickly discuss this because that is that is <laughs> that is quite the quarterback room. Who is the... Eric, who's the number one receiver for the for the New York Giants here? <laughs> they have about seven number three receivers. Brian Brian Dayball, that's who it here, is. I'm going to start listing receivers on this team. Stop me when stop me when you think one of these guys is better than a number two receiver. Number three receiver, sorry. Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard, Jalen Hyatt, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, Wandale Robinson, Darius stop. Slayton. Wandale Robinson is. Not I think Wandale. Ro- I think now Wandale are you Robinson guys to be a number two? Are you are you going off current depth chart? 
I mean, because you're going to have to go a little past wide receivers. Five foot eight, Wondell Robinson. Are you going with Darren Waller, who uh, is definitely in the decline? That is definitely their number one receiver. Or are you going with Daniel (laughs) Bellinger? Who's, why, who's, no, no, uh, no. We're going, Darren, we're going past his prime Darren Waller because Darren Waller's yeah. last two seasons, 55 catches for 665 yards and two touchdowns. Then he followed up that gem with the old 28 receptions for 388 yards and three touchdowns. I'm just going to say it. Darren That's Waller, pretty average for seven games, though. Congratulations, man. Kelsey Plum seems really cool. Like, good good job by you. That, that uh, <laughs> football football is not not the priority anymore. Support support your wife. She's really good at basketball. My favorite thing <laughs> in reading reading articles and uh, previews on the Giants is every single one of them. They it's like it's like, hey guys, don't hurt the Giants' feelings. Everyone just write the same thing. <laughs> Danny Dimes has a new contract and new targets. They should be able to compete in a very tough NFC East uh, just outside of the playoffs. Yeah, that's about right. All their targets are no-name guys I have no faith in or name guys who are – when you're looking at your fantasy roster and you need a player, you're like, no, nah, I don't want that guy. No, nah, I don't want that guy. No, I don't want that guy. Um, they have Saquon Barkley. They have Daniel Jones. Uh, that is, I think, all their money. Uh, we may be on their team this year. They also have, uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the young rookies they drafted last year, Evan Neal. Um, this team is going to finish outside the playoffs. They're going to be a football team, and they're going to compete. They're going to win some. They're going to lose some. The end. Yeah, I, I'm i just going to say uh, the this team is not – they were not that good last year. Almost every single every single team in this division had really positive variance in one score games. It's the only division in the NFL where every team won more one score games than lost one score games. Did you guys know that? Uh, no, so that's interesting. It's like the number one thing I look at when I'm looking at like, okay, well, what's what's just some natural regression that teams can take? And the we're not even to the one score game champions uh, of the division uh, <laughs> uh, yet, which is coming. So. Yeah, I I don't think that they're they're awesome. They control the ball well. They don't make big mistakes, but they didn't make any additions to their roster that make me think that they're going to make the jump. And this is not a roster that seems primed to compete. Their best player might hold out for like a big part of the season in Saquad's Barclays and uh, as Kevin likes How's to call that him. Unlike what normally happens when he's out with injury for like a good part of the season. I don't know, but he was really important to why they were nine seven and one last year. Yes. Uh, so, so that they are relying on him a lot. They're only really a real addition on the defense is what Ashawn Robinson and Deontay banks. I don't think that's going to move the needle, uh, too, too, too much. They really need one of these outside linebackers to make the leap. If Thibodeau gets 16 sacks, they're, they're going to be better than I think, but I just don't know if he's going to do that. He flashed some stuff last year, but at the end of the day, he had four sacks. Like it's just it's not enough production and he's a rookie. So he could definitely make the leap to being a, a 10, 12, 15 sack guy. He might be on the Brian Burns career arc where, you know, you see the flashes and you see the bend and you go, Okay, I, I know what's gonna happen eventually. Right? And maybe we'll get there. But for now, uh, I just think that they're going to look uh pretty pretty average. Great good coaching staff, 
they they really showed their meta last year, and I don't think they're going to make. They'll be in a lot of games because they're not going to make a ton of killer mistakes. But it's just it's just a mid roster. They need they need to make some some significant additions to the roster before I think they're really going to be uh, a competitive team. Kevin, what do you think? I think that uh, Daniel Jones might end up being a lot like Ryan Tannehill, where getting with the right coaching staff that can help him limit some of his mistakes from pressing makes him a competent NFL quarterback. And that's what they need here. I like what I like the way that they've been roster building. I think that there's a good chance Evan Neal looks a lot better in year two. The interior of their offensive line is now uh, Ben Bredesen, Mark Lewinsky, and John Michael Schmitz, which is interesting and has a pretty high floor. Like the competency there, the, those are guys that shouldn't get pushed around. Um, their tackles have a chance at being pretty good. So you've got a good offensive line. You have um, a quarterback where if he can limit his mistakes, he's uh, a, a decent quarterback with good legs, which kind of helps raise the floor on the offense. Um, and I believe in this offensive coaching staff quite a bit. So if they had a true number one receiver, I would feel actually pretty good about this offense. But as constructed, I think that the competency is very high, even if the um, the output won't necessarily be. I, in general, like the way they spent their draft picks. I think adding John Michael Schmitz, uh, Jalen Hyatt does give them a potential playmaker if he can figure out how to play wide receiver at the NFL level. And picking up I like a guy so. like Eric Gray late is a good pickup. It's a full year learning curve for Hyatt, though. They asked him to do yeah. like one thing last year, and it and he was good at it. But I think it's going to take him a year to get. I just understand they're going to end up keeping like what seven wide receivers then, because those seven guys that I named are all pretty good. They're all NFL level talents, unless Jamison Crowder is just too old. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, I think he's just. I mean, be we can argue forever. about whether Paris Campbell's an NFL level talent or sorry, an NFL level ability. His they listed the problem. They listed him first on the depth chart. Like, yep, that was a thing they did. Which so like I don't know that <laughs> that's like that's like all right they they really like him I guess I don't know so so uh, uh, or or adding... the intern the intern who runs their their the their death yes. chart likes <laughs> uh, I think Bobby Okereke being added in to their linebacking core as kind of that steady hand is a nice pickup. Uh, so like you said, if uh, either Ojolari. Uh, Thibodeau or a combination of Ojolari Oj- and Thibodeau. Ojolari's can... not making the leap. I'm, I'm... Well, I think <laughs> so. Ojolari is not I've going to be a guy. plus pass rusher. I think right. the thing Good is, NFL can player. he be that solid complimentary number two? Mm, I... Which does still require a little bit of an upgrade from him because we know Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Ashawn Robinson is a really good front three. BJ Ojolari is like the guy you want on your team to play like first downs so you can not get killed in the run game but have like some semblance of pass rush, but he just doesn't have the raw athleticism to to really crush. And I, I don't know. He's he's solid. He's good. So uh, then the other thing is uh, between Cordell Flott and Darnay Holmes, do they get competent nickelback play? And uh, between Deontay Banks and Amani Oruarie, do they get uh, a solid outside corner to play across from Adoree Jackson, who again provides a really good floor. So and they have good safeties too. They it's... do. That that's what kind of keeps it from being a question. So then when I'm looking at this roster and I'll go with my prediction since I was third through, I ended up at nine and eight because this is just a screaming for like like this roster screams to me, we have good coaching and we're gonna fight for the last playoff spot. I just don't think that they can really get over the hump on that. And I think 
they're going to spend a couple of seasons like just missing the playoffs or just getting in and losing in the first round. Uh, I, I'll have them at, I have them at eight and nine, which actually puts them in solidly in my NFC um, uh, wild card hunt. They're eighth. So, so yeah, I the NFC is gonna gonna bleed wins. The teams that make the wild card in the NFC will have much worse records than the teams that win the or worse records than the teams that make the wild card in the AFC. That's just a that's just gonna way it's gonna be this year. The, there's a split. There's a big. We can talk about this now. There's a big gap between the AFC and the NFC. Do, don't you feel like after doing this oh, exercise yeah. and getting ready for the coming weeks, would you agree, Kevin? There's yeah, pretty, yeah. Pretty I would say uh, specifically the gap is in quarterback play. Um, the the next round of young quarterbacks came into the AFC first. Yeah, and then we the, there's a lot of young quarterbacks in the in the NFC, or just a lot of like um, guys getting their first chance kind of thing. Young anyway, quarterbacks, first chance quarterbacks, or teams that still need their quarterback. Yeah, Eric, did you did we get your Giants pick? I had eight and nine. What'd you have? Uh, I have nine and eight. I like Kevin. I just have them competing a lot, um, not making the playoffs. You I had every team competing. One thing that's interesting is I had every team in this division going three and three in division. Uh, so next up, the Eagles. This is the variance champs. They were plus five in one score games. 14 and three, 11 and a half over and under with a slight favorite for under plus 110. They added DeAndre Swift, Dan Arnold, Greedy Williams, and Terrell Edmonds. They lost Javon Hargrave, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, TJ Edwards, Isaac Siomalu, Marcus Epps, Kaiser White, Robert Quinn, and Andre Dillard. I only say this many names because I usually only say three to highlight the fact that they turned over a significant portion of their roster uh, and with actual players who played a lot. Not not like mm-hmm. guys who not guys who just didn't play. Like guys who played a lot of snaps left. Uh, they drafted Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Sidney Brown. Seahawks connection, of course, in their ads I did not mention. They added Seahawks injury res- injured reserve legend, Rashad Penny. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, uh, what do you think about the Eagles this year? Do you see some regression from them or or what? Uh, there are a couple of places of concern. They've done a really good job over the last few years of going, hey, uh, some of these players are going to kind of price out. We have the luxury of a lot of draft picks without necessarily needing to uh, hit on every one of them. So let's see what we can pick up to kind of do the replacement. They so, do a good job by kind of picking up a first round pick every couple of years that they, and then being able to use that to kind of take like these, what'd you say? High risk, high reward players. At yeah. Position. Cause Hargrave's out, but they have Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter and Milton Williams just chilling at uh, defensive tackle and Marlon Tupelotu. Uh, who is not like a great player, but he like, if he's like on your kind of second. Yeah. Like, man, the depth on this roster is stupid. Uh, Like, okay. So they had to sign Terrell Edmonds and we could talk about Terrell Edmonds ceiling versus floor, but they got Sidney Brown in the draft. And so if they're starting safeties this year, a Reed Blankenship and Terrell Edmonds, I mean, that's not a bad thing. And then if Sidney Brown comes along next year, you know, they've got Kayvon Wallace and Sidney Brown just like chilling. They've I got love the key, all these guys. I love the Keeley Ringo pick too because they have Slay and Bradbury who are very good. But Ringo is like the kind of guy that needed like a, a good system and good guys around him to yes. kind of develop. And this is like perfect. He's going to watch Darius. He's going to watch Bradbury. And then when one of those guys prices out, he's just going to step right into a starting job and be ready to go. They're very, well, like you said, and they're then very smart. Up Reedy Williams and they got Eli Ricks who is such like he should not have come out for the draft. Um, And so like between... Keely Ringo, Greedy Williams, and Eli Ricks, the odds of zero of them being competent NFL cornerbacks are kind of low. Greedy Williams is such a great like reclamation project. He was so Mm -hmm. good in college, but he's just struggled with injuries and just getting up to speed in the NFL and just giving him a chance to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, 
try to fit kind of try to fix you. You don't have there's no pressure on him to play at all. He showed so much promise coming out of college. We were so excited about him. They signed Nicholas Morrow to take over for Kaiser White. Like that seems like an upgrade or at least a lateral move. I don't know, man. Kaiser White's pretty mid. Right. And so I'm looking at like what right guard, like their right guard situation might have gotten worse, except Cam Jurgens is probably going to play right guard while he's waiting for Jason Kelsey to retire. So Tyler Steen and Cam Jurgens get to fight it out for right guard. Like this roster is still stacked. It's still a really good roster. They lost a lot. There is a chance now that they could get injured enough to not compete. Whereas last yes. year, that was not, that was literally not a possibility, but this year, like, but the starters are still great. I love their, I love their, uh, they're just everything. I like, I would love to have this as my favorite team's roster. Dude, they're running right, back depth. Good roster. DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, uh, Boston Scott, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks. Like I, they're going to have curious. to cut NFL level running backs. I'm curious what their defense is going to look like. So their defensive coordinator is now Sean Desai. They lost. They lost both their coordinators in in the uh, this coaching hiring cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, they played a four. They played a four three, like a straight four three last year. I'm curious if Desai will try to you know kind of uh, round square peg round hole his his uh, three four concepts in here, or is he just going to come in and kind of run a four three, which is what they have the personnel for it. There's there's small hints they could try to do some three four stuff. Hassan Reddick and Nolan Smith would probably be a pretty good three four outside linebacker pairing. Josh so can also do some of that stuff. Yeah, so I'm 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 kind of uh I'm I'm curious I'm curious to see what what they what how they'll approach the uh the the defensive side of the football and then on offense you know sorry Eric R and B legend Josh Sweat thank you on offense they. They, with the coordinator change as well, we saw them get the most out of Jalen Hurts last year. Like I do not think it was possible to get more than what they got out of Jalen Hurts last year. And so, can Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni kind of put their heads together and and get make that make sure that that does not there's not a significant drop off there. I'm less sure. I expect some regression from them. Fourteen and three is just lofty, lofty heights to hit and i can see why people are favoring the under on 11 and a half because it, it's just hard it's hard to repeat and there's reasons to think like they'll just be okay like they'll be good but not like the best team ever like last last season it would have been hard to i think the coaches would have had to try to to, to not win 10 <laughs> games last year with this roster and they got more than 10 wins they did a good job but if they let like ten wins out of, or like nine wins out of that roster, I think everyone should have got canned immediately. <laughs> like that's it was it would have been an embarrassment. They had a great roster and they run it back with a pretty solid roster. Again, Eric, yeah, that would have been McCarthy the, levels of malpractice at head coach to get only nine wins out of that. All right, uh, do you, Eric, is this the be, is this the team to beat in the NFC still, or have they been uh, have they kind of lost enough for you to put them not in the driver's seat? Uh, the the team to beat in the NFC East, NFC. I don't know. Uh, we've gone over all the players. You guys have said everything that needs to be said. Um, looking at their schedule, just count the wins on the schedule or count the losses. It's easier. Um, there's going to be more than four. There's going to be more than five. Uh, I thought the drafting of Jalen Carter falling in their lap was very cool. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny should give them depth at the running back position so Jalen Carter doesn't have to risk his neck so much. I think that's going to pay off for them. I still think they have a chance to repeat, or at least, uh, I'm sorry, repeat for the NFC Championship. Um, I 
it's really hard to between 12 and 11 wins. That's the the over under is 11 and a half. I it's like flip a coin for me. Um, I'm just going to be a little more conservative. I'm putting them at 11 and six. I also have them at 11 and six. And I was exactly the same kind of thought with you. I was like, man, 11, it's going to be 11 to 13 in that range. 10, it would be at 10 would be like Jalen 10 or less. There's, would be Jaylen. there's Jaylen nothing Hurts to be injured. concerned about though. I mean, like you're, they're not going to go how they went last. That season's not going to go how it went last year they, with just rolling over every or every opponent they have. No that's I have them 12 and five for the same reason. It's hard to predict a team at more than 12 wins. Like it just takes a lot in the NFL to get 13, 14 wins. Yeah. You got to be like the chiefs or a team we'll talk about in three weeks. So, okay. Uh, let's go to the last team, the football team. They went eight, eight and one last year. They are six and a half wins over under minus 100. So over a slight favorite. Or no, under a slight favorite. Uh, they added Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Wiley, and Cameron Dantzler. They lost Cole Holcomb and Taylor Heineke. In the draft, Emmanuel Forbes, Jartavius Martin, and Ricky Stromberg. Seahawks connection. They added your guy, Eric. Cody Barton. So I'm going to start with you. <laughs> this, is Cody Bar- this is How Cody Barton. How dare me talk about him for like three weeks, four this years is ago. C- Cody Barton's te- this is Cody Barton's team now. Their defensive coordinator is Jack Del Rio. I, Jack of the river. I'm just going to let that hang out there. I hate that guy. Uh, hey, they, I don't like Jack. And the Rio offensive coordinator person. is Eric sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Here's the Here's an actual boomerism. Just got to put that out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So going over their coaches, uh, <laughs> Eric sleeping with the enemy. You got to call, you got to call boom right now. You got to say, I know you don't know me, but I got one for you. And he's going to go, <laughs> Hey, thank you. Hey, I'm gonna give you five dollars hey. out of my out of my roast beef sandwich wallet. Break my back sitting on this. Uh, I don't uh, think that Jack Del Rio is a bad coach by any means. I actually think he's a very good coach, and I think it's gonna work out for the Manders. Uh, that's for you, Nathan. They still have uh, Scary Terry McLaurin. They still have uh, Brian Robinson. They got that Jahan Dotson, who I like quite a bit too. They've got a but lot the, of talented players. The problem on is, this who's throwing to those guys though? That's the best question. Jake, Jake from State from. The- <laughs> The way... I'm sorry. Why? I'm sorry. Why? I'm sorry. Why? I wrote it down. I wrote it down in my show notes, and I was like, "I'm gonna say Jake from State from," and oh, I'm try not. I have to try not to laugh. Jacoby, so roast beef, brissette. <laughs> they're yeah, they're uh, trying quarterbacks going to be chicken fingers. Sam Howell, like I I just can't believe that Sam Howell. Like I mean, I didn't mind him when I was scouting a couple years ago, but like obviously everyone passed on him four times. There, there's a. Yes, but Sam now Howell? he gets a chance to prove the haters wrong by maybe Sam being Howell a middling quarterback. Howell and Sam Howell and Tyler Heineke have basically the same skill set, so I guess we kind of already know what this looks like. The best thing is looking at you know looking at the Commanders this week. I flagged the site. Hold on, it's right here. Uh, it's it's ESPN's article is entitled "Why Washington is All In on Sam Howell as its Quarterback," and is that article gives you all you need to know. And it's not because ESPN is stroking Sam Howell. It's that no one knows who this guy is, why he fell, why he should be starting. And he, they're going to be a middling team of best. This is a perfect spot for the commanders to actually, you know, come in with their new ownership group, maybe someday, hopefully after they change their name again and actually be a competitive team. Cause you've got to have a year like this, a year with talent 
but no quarterback, new coaches. He is, Sam Howell's Oof. never eaten beef or seafood. What? I like, didn't know he's, that. He's, he's never even tried it. I'm, so, I'm not joking Chicken's about this real. chicken fingers thing, dude. Like, he only eats chicken. Like, he doesn't – he won't even try the other foods. He won't even put them – he is a professional athlete. So they I don't get, go over that in the article, but they do go over about how – In all fairness, chicken a, fingers are really good. He, well, yeah, they but are, give him, give him a sports Once psychologist a or something. Like, he needs – he obviously has some stuff going on. I'm like just anxiety. saying, like, in he had, they, takes for quarterbacks, they, he's above Will Levis. Everyone says he can throw deep. He can throw medium. I'd rather he's, have the guy who would eat anything than the guy who will eat nothing. He's somewhat accurate, and he's on a rookie contract. This he's guy fast. has been the last three games. He had 11 he rushing run. touchdowns. He had 11 rushing touchdowns his junior year. I think he got messed up because he probably should have stayed one more year. I, I know like Drake May was like breathing down his throat, and if he loses the job, he's just not in the NFL at all then. Although that that's not necessarily true. Honestly, if he had come out a year early, he'd have done better. But like, I just... I don't know his he kind of 2021 was just a pretty mediocre season for him other than rushing he ran the ball really well I I think Sam Howell is good for your fantasy team but not good for real life football how about that yeah like if you're in a two quarterback league Sam Howell is your QB two because he's gonna run the ball is probably gonna be pretty decent but he's just not good for for real football this team I don't like their draft that much it's pretty sketchy to me like i didn't i i guess i look at a lot of these teams and i'm like oh i see what they're doing i like that draft okay and then i look at this one and i'm like oh yeah this is the team that people were taking advantage of they didn't do a good job uh t- to me and i'm just i'm not sure what their plan is i think their plan is to suck this year and then fire all their coaches and then kind of push all in next year as their first real year with like eric said the new ownership group so I expect it to be bad. Maybe I expect maybe them to fire the coaches early too, if they're like afraid they might try to go 500, you know, <laughs> like, and then like, and then your, your interim coach is Eric B and you're really suffering now because that guy is uh, maybe not as competent as he's getting credit for. Cause he's been saddled to Andy Reed for so long. So I don't, I don't like the commanders at all. That I'm just going to say it. I just don't, I don't love it. Uh, the commander's draft uh, the last two years has been, I like this player one round later than they took them. Yes. You take Emmanuel Forbes in like the early to mid second round. I'm all over it. You took him in the middle of the first round. You take Jartavius Martin in like the early third round. I'm cool with it. They took him in the middle of the second round. You take Ricky Stromberg in like the early mid third round. And I'm like, man, if that's a day three pick, I'm like, that's a great pick. Right. And the problem with doing that, like, yes, you are bringing up the talent level of a football team because at the end of the day, if you're drafting good players, that's what you want to do. But if you're expending All their picks, picks seem high risk, high reward. Like they just don't. Right. They're not they're not taking any players that have high floors. Like even last year, like the Jameen Davis pick, like that's just like a Jahan Dotson, a, like Jahan Dotson's size might prevent him from ever being like a good NFL receiver. Yeah. I just don't know, man. Like, it's it's crazy what they're up to. And so uh, I like what they did on the offensive line. Bringing in Nick Gates, they drafted Ricky Stromberg. Stromberg and Larson are probably, they might be able to win the starting center job so that Gates can win a starting guard job. I think if Chris Paul's the starting left guard, that means that, uh, like, they have, like, that means he must have won the job in camp, which I think is a good thing. Uh, their offensive line is pretty good. They've got good depth at running back. Brian Robinson, you know, uh, he uh, number one with a bullet there. 
and uh, Antonio Gibson and Chris oh Rodriguez. Gosh, they're they're hyping up Antonio that. Gibson so much. Like just like last year. Just like last year. It's clearly like, slept the coach's child or something. Ron Rivera every year. Oh, we're going to start using him like they use Christian McCaffrey. He's just so good. We're going to line him up at wide receiver. And it's like, we get it. He's good. Why won't you play him more? <laughs> like, you stop talking about it and start doing it. The thing I think is funny, though, is their biggest weakness on defense uh, Jameen Davis and Cody Barton, that is a lot of very unaware play at linebacker. They might get victimized in the run if their uh, front four can't make a ton of stops. Um, this is a team that might get run all over and not be able to make big plays in the passing game. And back, that is a bad combination. Their back seven on defense is full of question marks. Like yeah. it's just it's just chock full of question marks. Like you, you I think can... there's reasons to believe it could be good, but yes, agreed. It would require things, it would require two or three pieces breaking well yeah there's a lot there's a lot of question marks and they got it all answered or a lot i'm of at six and eleven i'm at five and twelve five and twelve as well all right so we don't we expect uh, the managers do you guys think that the whole coaching staff is gone at the end of the at the end of the year like they do they if five if they, if they win five or six games do they just clean house and kind of do a, a reset i, I don't think so i not with what they have i think with the enemy especially Maybe you promote him, but I think he at least sticks around. I think they should, but I think uh, think the thing is uh, the ownership might decide to keep everything in place for one year to kind of observe the team. That's not an uncommon thing in an ownership change. So I could see that happening, but I honestly, they need a refresh if things are going to work out. So I think, I think if the coaching staff, I think if they're bad enough that they're going to be able to get their new franchise quarterback, you overturn the front office and coaching staff. If they're uh, picking like outside the top 10, I think you might try and keep it and add a little bit of depth and keep the coaching staff to observe things. So you can do the refresh to go with your new quarterback for the next season. Yeah. But then by then, by then you're like stringing out all your good, your good rookie pass rusher contracts, which is the good thing about this team is they have a lot of young players on good con young defensive line players on good contracts. I and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, all right. There are many ways to support the show. Best way to do so. Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as dollar twenty four a month. Join the Discord. Be a part of the conversation uh, with us. Thank you to those who support the show. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Jose, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Micah, Brad, Dad, Nikki, C, Ryan, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Luke, Luke Michelle, Mike, Mike. Noah, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. All right. The uh, in honor of Tyler Lockett finally losing his V, we're going to do uh, Fave Five, the greatest movies that either involve virgins or involve virginity as a plot point, or have uh, something about virgins in the movie. Uh, so it comes up in the movie. There is a surprisingly large <laughs> number of movies in which it's a plot point. And when you consider like the the hum- how big the of a number of movies is, I think it's the breadth of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's gonna be a lot of like coming of age movies and vampire movies. It's well, like yes. it is. Teenage but it's also sex a lot comedies. Of yeah. Uh I, I just think one thing is that it's just a big part of the human experience. Like that's going to be a, a milestone, a big milestone in your life regardless. Right. So I think that because of that, it, you know, it gets put into the popular culture. Like that's, that's what happens. So we're starting off with Eric. 
Eric, what movie is heading in first to our Fave Five here? Well, as Kevin says, there's a breadth of movies. And as Nathan pointed out, there's a lot of different genres. I'm going to go ahead and take the vampire movie. Because I love this movie. It's Googling various lists. It's on every list. It focuses around a virgin or two or three. <laughs> it's Fright Night <laughs> from okay. 1985. So you're, you're functionally eliminating the other vampire movie we talked about on the free show. Pre-show. Uh, you talking about? Uh, are you talking about Once Bitten? Yes. I think yes, but I think Fright Night is the better of the two movies. I agree with you, Eric. I love I love Once Bitten, and it's it's funny, but man, I just love Fright Night so much. I love the whole cast. I love the music. I love that it's still creepy, not spooky, not scary. Um, but it's just it's a creepy movie. Um, people will try yeah. and remake it or take the idea of the monster next door, and I don't know. This just it still does it for me. The remake is good, but it's not better than the original. Like the original like a had, lot of the remakes they're doing, they're not bad would, movies. They're just not like like the new RoboCop. Here's the thing: Fright Night. I, the way that the thing that the new Fright Night did really well was the casting. David Tennant um, as like the horror magician, Colin Farrell. Yeah, welcome as the to vampire. finding the only yeah. way to uh, recast Anton, that Christopher Lee. Anton, Anton Yelchin. Like Anton so they did Yelchin a good job. Piece, yeah. And I was gonna say that what you have to do is you have to live up to the. the the way that because the first one just bangs it's really good the, the everything holds up like there's nothing you could watch this movie today and it's as good as the day it was made like that's yeah. what's cool about it um now tom holland the director did you know this he is writing a direct sequel to the movie like, that's interesting fright i guess he can the uh i mean uh, the actors are still around except for roddy mcdowell and you probably don't want really many of them in there but it'd be nice to see a cameo well, he's got that Spider-Man money, so he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> I was waiting for it. It's not the same Tom Holland, but all right. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Uh, Fright Night's great. Good choice, Eric. I'm, I'm into it. I'm, I think it's a really good movie. Super holds up. Uh, Kevin, do you want to add another uh, horror movie to the mix here, or are we going to uh, to move in another direction? Uh, I think that examining the breadth of the movies, and I have a good idea of a couple of the movies we're going to be able to get in on the We All Agrees. Oh, um, this so, movie huh? probably would be able to get into that all agrees as well, but it's a movie I want to bring up because again, it explores how that topic can be uh, seen in a lot of different ways and from a lot of different angles. And I'm going with uh, children of men. Nice. Uh, children right. of men is an excellent movie. Uh, it is um, a, it is beautifully shot. Uh, the cinematography yeah. is excellent. One of the all-time great long takes in in cinema history is in this movie. And it's one of those things you could take that long take out and it's still a beautifully shot movie. Uh, uh, Fright Night, I I was going to bring this up. I I forgot to say something during Eric's. The practical effects in Fright Night um, were really, really strong. That's some great 80s practical effects. Uh, Children of Men is from the era where practical effects and special effects, um, practical effects and CGI uh, we're still being blended instead of just being over reliant on CGI. And so a lot of the scenes where uh, they were showing kind of this future dystopia and uh, there were some some pretty big sequences, the car chase sequence um, among them, uh, when they're going through the ruins of the city, like where the use of sets and practical effects blended with CGI to make a very immersive experience. And when you mix that with quality acting, it just makes... Uh, the suspension of disbelief for that movie is so easy 
Uh, and, you know, there's the allegory that it represents. There's there's a lot going on. It's just an excellent movie, and I think it belongs on the list. Um, I also think it is an all-time great film adaptation, mm-hmm. like, uh, of, a, of a book. Like, the the book is worse than the movie. Good job. That's really that's really hard to do, to do um, to every change they made. I feel like really affecting right. film too. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty deep. I think where Kevin talked about the effects, um, the grittiness, like it takes place in the future, but it's got this like present day war zone look, or even like a World War Two kind of vibe to the like the the shelled city. Um, did a really good work there. I'm gonna go yeah. more in the direction people expect on this pick. Uh, which, which is, I'm going to go with a, a movie that kind of turns a lot of the conventions of the, uh, the coming of age virginity draw, uh, comedy on its head. And that's blockers. You guys seen blockers? Uh, wow. With John, with John Achana. I was wondering and, uh, if I was going to make it. Uh, I love this movie. I think it's really funny. Uh, it's, it's really good. It's got, um, it's Kay Cannon's directorial debut. The person who wrote all the pitch perfect movies. Um, and I think it's just a really, really funny, um, funny movie i don't know i like it a lot it's to it make it's got a lot of really stupid stuff in it it's a stupid it's stupid if you don't like, if you don't like movies if you don't like movies that are stupid uh you will do but it, i just think it's like really smart and it has has a cool point uh, interesting point of view you know a lot of movies like this um and it has great like energy and sight gags and stuff so yeah i'm i'm going with blockers i was between blockers and adventureland for my pick just so you know Adventureland was on my list as well. Adventureland is good. Uh, Adventureland is a good movie, but I uh, I end up going with Blockers because I think it just um, kind of turned the genre on its head a little bit in a way that I think is uh, is fun. All right, uh, now we now we uh, well, do you guys you guys have strong strong opinions about the movie Blockers? <laughs> no, I, 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 I haven't seen it. That would need to be said. Okay, all right, then let's uh. Let's go ahead and go now to the uh, to the the co picks. Let's just throw movies out there. Hocus Pocus, uh, no, nope. <laughs> Virgin. I light the candle. I just wanted to bring it up because I think people would be mad if we didn't. How about Breakfast Club? Uh, Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles are the two John Hughes offerings that uh, I, I would give consideration to. Oh, is and is Weird Science like in that same group? Uh, and it, is Weird Science better than those movies? As in I John mean, I think they're totally different. Weird Science is just goofy and. Uh, you know, I, I don't like think it's movies. No, it's not. It's yeah. also that's it, it revolves around it, but it's more so the the goofiness and the hijinks or the are the real plot of the movie. So yes, I, I I think like of those John Hughes movies, I would pick Breakfast Club. I I used to I think, think it's the it best was, movie of them as well. I used to think it was like just kind of a mediocre movie when I was a kid. I don't know why. Maybe I was like too jaded, but I watched it again recently, and I was like, this movie's really good. I was like surprised. I was surprised how good I thought the movie was, um, with the uh, the uh, I don't know benefit of more perspective. I guess uh, being an adult. So uh, the thing I think if, is great about the movie is uh, it intergenerationally you can think of people in your high school slash college days that correspond to those people, and the struggles they go through are things where I think, especially as you gain age and perspective, you can think about people where it's like, man that is kind of like what this person was going through. And like, it, it makes it, he does a good job of patterning the characters enough after like real life type people that you have, you're kind of bought in on them. Let's circle back to it. Like let's put breakfast club as our John Hughes nominee and circle yeah. back and see if it's still, but what do you guys think about 40 year old virgin? 
I love that movie. Um, at least I love it until the final arc. Um, Steve Carell, this kind of propelled him into the stratosphere of being like a movie star and um, being a household name. It's really funny and it's believable that this guy would be a 40 year old virgin. Okay. Yeah. Great right. performances by everyone in the cast. That's what I think I like about it. Uh, I think Judd Apatow kind of like most of his movies ruins it at some point, usually at the end. Um, I, but my favorite thing about it is every friend character in that movie is really funny. Uh, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, uh, just every, everyone is just really, really crushing it. And they're like kind of uh, Romany, Romany Malco, like all those, everyone's crushing it. And I th- the thing I like about it is that a lot of film romances are portrayed with really like big age differences between the actors and like Steve Carell and Catherine Keener, are like age appropriate. Like they look like yes. they're the same age. Yeah, that's, that's I think nice Jonah thing. Hill's first movie too. Was it Jonah Hill's first movie? If it's not first, it's second or it's, it's very early. I think it is his first. He's like, what is he? He's like a, like a, eBay he's a guy, guy who right? goes into the eBay store and he wants to buy some shoes and he doesn't <laughs> understand that he has to buy them on eBay. <laughs> God, I, but i i could just give you money right now and i could you take can give the me shoes. the shoes yeah, yeah. So, apparently he was in i heart huckabees before that so okay yeah we'll just say it was first movie i'm good with that so speaking of jonah hill yeah we could go super bad super bad i think definitely deserves to be nominated uh yeah, very funny it's um i think we can say it's one of the pinnacle of the attempting to uh desperately seeking to lose your virginity movies i think it uh i think it kind of is it's on the rush more of that uh and since i I was emma since i was emma stone's uh film debut i have to bring up easy a uh because i think that movie is really really good super and it's kind of the reverse of super bad and like the the interplay between those is kind of cool and they in English class, when you know, when I was going through high school, anyway, you had to read the Scarlet Letter, and they touch on that in the film, and they make it basically a modern era version of the Scarlet Letter, which, uh, <laughs> kind of a boring that, book. That was a cool but, way of doing that. Yeah, really, really great play on it for the movie. What about like? Um, wait, 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 wait! I got, I got, I can link this again. Um, speaking of adaptations of pre twentieth century literature, oh, Clueless. Boy is an adaptation of uh, Jane Austen's uh, novel, Emma. And okay. uh, Clueless is a uh, still a delightful movie. It's, I mean, I feel like everyone either tries to trash it or tries to say it's amazing. It's neither of those things. It's just good. It's it's good and enjoyable. What about like the virgin as a horror trope too? I don't feel like we haven't talked enough about it. Like you said the vampire movies, but there's also like non-vampire movies. The Wicker Man, Cabin in the Woods, um uh the virgin is a trope it's not really a horror it's it's like what's the 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 virgin usually makes it out alive yeah but what's the one where um her body's she's possessed uh is it isn't she virgin carrie yeah carrie uh uh, halloween yeah Uh, yeah so okay so like all those i think that's like a really like power it's a really powerful trope in horror movies is there do any of those movies kind of stand out for you i know everyone loves cabin in the woods i think it's like a more fun movie than good movie like i i get why people like it but people canonize it like it's like their favorite film of all time and i'm like that's a little bit much for me maybe that's me being too much in the uh letterboxed uh yeah that's 
film uh, that's not for world. me every time i try and bring up um other horror comedies that i think are really good everyone has to bring up cabin in the woods like it's the pinnacle of that instead of just another good one uh so this goes out to all of you who when i try and bring up tucker and dale versus evil try and convince me that cabin in the woods is light years better it will not be on this list it will not be on this list just for you just for you person who pitches the movie too hard (laughs) it's not even it's not even the best drew goddard movie that's that's the that's the real problem is that it's it's the it's the it's the second best <laughs> Drew Goddard movie. And his fourth best script. Like like, <laughs> like if we're really ranking like Drew Goddard scripts, it's like uh The Martian number one, Cloverfield number two, Bad Times at the El Royale number three, and then maybe you can go Cabin in the Woods ahead of World War Z. I'm okay I would I would put as far as going back to the the <laughs> topic at hand, I would put Scream above Cabin in the Woods. Well, I put Halloween above Scream, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because Halloween yeah. is what Scream is parodying, and I I think Halloween rules. The first so, Halloween movie is so good. It is it really, really is. good. Uh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halloween, I I should have clearly... picked Easy. I should have picked Easy A for my movie. It has no chance. I'm switching it. I pick Easy A now. All right, instead of instead oh, of that uh, makes this easier. <laughs> instead okay, of so inst- instead that, of uh, instead of blockers. So then, super. It's a better movie. One of these spots, and yep. the other spot, I think we're going to go ahead and give to the horror. I think so. Here's my question, and let's Kevin's go ahead and narrow it down to Halloween up. versus Scream. Uh, oh, I ha- think ha- Halloween then for me. Okay. I'm, wait, I'm wait, sorry. wait. What about your favorite Twilight movie? We touched on this before. Oh yeah, no? yeah. Twilight Twilight is like a oh, that's, virgin allegory. That's all right. We already have a vampire movie. Sorry, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Anyone want to switch? No. Oh, we don't have a werewolf movie. Uh all right. So hey, we don't have a teen coming of age comedy, guys. Yeah, we do. So we have we have, we have a easy a. Oh, I guess we do have super bad. Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna wiggle on Porky's right here, but what's better? (laughs) Yikes! What's better, forty-year-old virgin or super bad? All right, this—that is a really hard choice. I'm gonna go super bad, but it's only because the final act in the forty-year-old virgin. Super bad is the hardest I've ever laughed at a movie, and it still makes me laugh pretty much. It also feels good. If like at the end, you feel good watching it. You can relate to it in a way. Um, I like I like movies with somewhat melancholy endings where like yes. people decide to go separate ways. Like that's why I love La La Land so much. It's like sometimes sometimes things just don't you know sometimes things are just like a little bit sad and that's okay. That's part of life. Does it and say I, something about me that Jojo Rabbit is the hardest I've ever laughed in a movie theater? Oh boy, I was actively crying from laughing in certain parts of that movie. Ch- Cheeky Hitler does it for Kevin. That's what, that's all you need <laughs> to was, know. It was incredibly <laughs> funny. It was incredibly funny. <laughs> Yeah, so okay, um, so super bad and and then Halloween was the winner, or was it was it a scream? Okay, so my, so the only thing There's about scream, scream is, uh, in Halloween, uh, the fact that she's a virgin is important, and like virginity is plays a role in purity. Uh, scream calls it out, so this it's a true. bigger plot point in Scream. It, so, okay, but the thing is, Scream is Halloween Scream is calling it out. Scream is calling it out because of Halloween, though. I, I agree. So uh, that's why I think it's an interesting thing to contrast the two. Is it a bigger plot point in uh, Halloween or is it a bigger plot point in Scream? Or is it more important that it's a plot point in Scream because of Halloween? Yeah, that maybe. I'm going Halloween just because it is the better movie and it's a little more, you know, it's it's not like shaking it in front of you. 
I'm happy to go with Halloween here. I think it's one of my all-time favorite movies and favorite horror movies. Um, it is the movie that got me into horror. Uh, it's it's Halloween or American Pie 2. We got to pick one. Right. <laughs> okay, we're going uh, Halloween. <laughs> not American Pie. I'm surprised it didn't come up yet. American Pie is not bad, though. It's just not. It's, it's fine. Not but as good super as, bad it's not as good as any of these movies. Talking about. Okay, so easy a. Uh, super bad, easy A, Halloween, uh, Fright Night, and uh, Children of Men. Children of Men. Okay, if you have a if you have a virgin allegory or virgin movie that you want to talk about in the Discord, uh, just make sure it's uh, work safe. All right, for Kevin, for or if Eric, you just want to say what the uh, uh, the hardest you've ever laughed at a movie in the theater is. Yeah, that'd be good too. All right, for Kevin, Eric, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.